the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, May 19th. Once again, I am coming to you all live from my hotel room in Orlando as I continue my coverage of the 2021 NCAA Tennis Championships. We have four fantastic women's quarterfinals slated to get underway today. Of course, the men's event going to pick up its action tomorrow. I know we've yet to recap the NCAA Round of 16 for the men. I also know there's a lot of professional tennis action on the ATP and WTA Tour we've left hanging out there. We do apologize for that fact. Again, we are trying to get our scheduling, our podcast back to normal here over the next, I'd say, five to ten days. And I promise you, once this team event is done with the NCAA tournament, all eyes here at CR going to turn to preparing all of you listeners for the 2021 French Open. I have been able to catch a little bit of the ATP and WTA action. I've seen some of the matches from Rome and Madrid from the past two weeks, but just don't feel quite comfortable yet breaking all of that down for you. I don't want to provide a disingenuous podcast for all you listeners. I'm so grateful for the trust you put in us here at Crack Rackets. So rest assured, the pro tennis-centric content will be returning here on this podcast and throughout our Crack Rackets platforms over the next uh, 10 days, I suppose. But for now, all eyes focused on this NCAA team event, the home stretch of the 2021 college tennis season. And let me just say again, we have a phenomenal day of tennis ahead of us on Wednesday. Hopefully all of you are tuning into the action with our friends over on the Tennis One app. It was so much fun for me to be able to call two of the women's round of 16 matches, two of the men's round of 16 matches. Now, unfortunately, I'm done the rest of the way. I guess I'm just not a big enough name in the college tennis or tennis universe to get the broadcast for the quarterfinals, semifinals, finals moving forward. I do apologize for that. You know, listeners, I would have loved to be on those calls, but I guess they're calling in the bigwigs, or who they consider to be the bigwigs. Of course, I'm fans of all the people they have, but would have loved to be on that. Anyways, that's a personal gripe. That's a little bit of venting for all of you. Obviously, a little frustration. Nevertheless, I'm still super, super excited to be able to attend all of these matches in person. And, you know, what I want to do on today's podcast, preview all of Wednesday's matches at 11 o'clock. We've got NC State, Georgia. It's a funky schedule. It's like 11 to 5 and 8 today. So it starts uh, Georgia versus NC State. We'll then have Texas versus Florida State, Pepperdine versus UCLA in what could legitimately be under most seasons uh, a, a championship match. And then, of course, the nightcap, the, well, I forget the name of the rivalry, but Duke taking on North Carolina. Is it the Battle for Cotton Road? Something like that. But, of course, that is such a fun nightcap. So, again, what I want to do on this podcast is preview those four matches so all of you listeners know what to expect, which are the top seeds on upset alert. Of course, we have seven of our top eight seeds still remaining here in the quarterfinals. It's certainly the Duke Blue Devils perennially a top 10 team in Division I women's college tennis. So, you know, all of these eight schools, more than anything else, they certainly deserve to be here. They're all hungry to continue on advancing in this event. Again, it should be a really, really fun day of tennis. I want to preview all of those matches. I'm going to go chronologically here on this podcast today. Of course, before we get into that, I have to remind all of you listeners the reason we're able to do this day in, day out is because of the support we get from all of you from our Patreon family. And I mentioned this yesterday. I want to mention it again. Again, 
if you are at these NCAA event, uh, at these NCAA events, if you are at this NCAA event here in Orlando, I'm going to have my white Crack Rackets hat on. I will have a Crack Rackets shirt on likely as well. Come up and say hello. Uh, it's been so fun for me to get to interact with all of you listeners and, you know, it means the world to me to have some people come up and say, hey, you're Alex Gruskin from Crack Rackets, right? And I promise you my response will be, I hope so. That's what I've been telling people. Uh, but it's such a pleasure for me to get to, again, talk and share my passion for college tennis with all of you fellow college tennis fans as well. So please continue to come up to me. Say hello, Jay. I'm talking to you. I know you're going to listen to this podcast. You've yet to come up and say hello. You know what I look like. I have no idea what you look like. So come on, man. Come say hello. It will be a pleasure for me. And again, anyone else in the crowd, parents, players, coaches, whatever it may be, there's nothing I like doing more than chatting college tennis. And let me just say, the rumors are flying. We've got some stories that are percolating here at Crack Rackets. We're not ready to report them. Our standards of reporting here, uh, you know, I would say we have high standards. I don't want to report something unless I'm absolutely sure it's going to happen, but there are inklings about a lot of different things, and so it's a very, very exciting time in college tennis, a very, very exciting time to be a college tennis fan. Of course, again, the reason we were able to do these podcasts because of the support we get from College Tennis Nation, all of you out there from our Patreon family, and of course, from our friends at Midwest Sports. Go to MidwestSports.com, use that promo code cr 15 to get 15% off your order, free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls, MidwestSports.com. The promo code is CR15. With that in mind, let's preview today's women's quarterfinal matches. And again, the schedule, I believe it's 11 o'clock, Georgia, NC State, 2 p.m., Texas, Florida State, 5 p.m., Pepperdine, UCLA, and then 8 p.m., the Battle for Cotton Road, UNC, taking on Duke. Let's start with our first match. And boy, we have an upset alert. And I've been saying this, I would say for the past month now, really, really stressing it to all of you listeners. I brought it up a bunch in the cracked interviews we did in the lead up to the round of 16 with the various coaches from around the country. And, you know, just chatting with people here on the grounds, everyone agrees this NC State Wolfpack team they're really, really good. And obviously, the top names, Anna Rogers, Alana Smith, Adriana Riemi, we, we know what they've accomplished in college tennis. We know what they're capable of. You look at Rogers and Smith, they've been one of the best doubles duos in the country, literally since they were partnered together, I would say, three years ago. And, you know, this NC State team is competing in their first quarterfinal in program history. That means something. And talking to Coach Earnshaw and number one singles player and super senior Anna Rogers uh, in the press conference yesterday, and you can go hear that conversation, by the way, on the Cracked Interviews podcast, as well as the conversations we had with, I think, 13 of the remaining uh, 16 men's and women's teams in this event. They talked very openly about what this moment means for their program and the hunger they have to continue to advance. And look, in the University of Georgia, they face a team that has lost one match this season. You look at this Georgia Bulldogs record, 23-1, and that one loss, a 4-3 loss at home to undefeated UNC. They ran the gauntlet in the uh, SEC tournament, got a really, really impressive victory for one over Virginia in the round of 16. And they're clicking on all cylinders as well. And of course, when you talk Georgia women's tennis, it starts at the top. Katarina Jokic, who, you know, much like Smith and Rogers, has arguably been one of the five best, if not the best player in women's college tennis. She will have a WTA career as soon as she's done here with this season. 16 0 at the number one singles position, 25 and 1 overall here in her final campaign. I'm not going to say it's a lock of a point, but. 
you know, Jokic was up on Emma Navarro. Uh, it was Rogers who I believe dropped her match to Selma Ewing against USC. You always like Katarina Jokic if you're a Georgia Bulldog fan. And again, for Georgia, they take the doubles point against Virginia. They've been so, so good this season. 12-4 and four at one doubles, 14-2 and two at two doubles, 17-2 and two at three doubles. When you're winning 75% of your matches or greater at each of your flights, you're probably having a successful season. And then again, we've talked about the single stats. They're winning over 80% of their matches in all of the flights that have finished at least 10 matches. 16-0 at 1, 14-3 at 2, 12-2 at 3, 18-2 at 4, 11-3 at 6. So I guess that's a 786 win percentage. Now, they're 4-3. At the number five singles position, Marta Gonzalez has finished a total of four dual matches here this season, but worth noting in the round of 16 against Virginia, it was in fact Marta Gonzalez who delivered a victory at the number five position, and her not finishing matches is not indicative of the fact that she was losing. Her not finishing matches is indicative of the fact that her team is winning so quickly and so frequently everywhere else in the lineup that she's a little bit of a slower player, as Coach Wallace likes to say, and, you know, she's a grinder out there, And but that said, Georgia feels about as good in her at that number five singles position at the super senior Marta Gonzalez as they do anywhere else in the lineup, and you know, again, the numbers for all of these teams are just going to be stupid when I list them off here in this preview podcast. They're all ridiculous. All of these teams, to get to the quarterfinals, you have to be really, really freaking good. But look, this Georgia team, why are they 22-1? and Why do so many people, Colette Lewis, obviously the GOAT included, think they can compete for the national championship, which is not absurd, by the way. Once you're in the quarterfinals, you absolutely have a shot to win the national championship. And You know, they were the 2019 finalists here in Orlando as well, but it's the depth. It's the multiple pathways to four points. Every checkbox you want a national championship team to check off, these Georgia Bulldogs do exactly that. And look, they're the favorites. There's no denying that by any metric you use. They're the number three seed. They're one loss here in this season. You look by UTR, the power sixes, Georgia 64.39 power six, which again is the UTRs added of their six singles players. North Carolina State's a 62.71. So it's a, you know, a point and a half deficit. That's a significant deficit across six flights at UTR. And, you know, you start to look at the UTRs uh, across the board. Georgia's going to be favorites at all six singles positions. They're favorites by at least 0.1 UTR points as well in each of those six. But I really like this NC State team, and I will say I think doubles is going to be so, so critical for them. You look for NC State. I've mentioned Smith and Rogers. They're 16-5 and five this year at number one doubles. Now, that's a worse record than the well, it's about the same 12-4 and four record, but 11-4 and four more importantly for Arsenault and Jokic at one, but you know, talking to uh, Rogers yesterday, she's like, I don't think any team in the nation has more size and length and aggression than Smith and Rogers. And I, I would tend to agree with her. As I said in my round of 16 recap, I think that team is really, really good. They take it to their opponents. I think NC State wins at one doubles now. You know, Kristoffi and Kopic, 14 and 2 at two doubles. And Kowalski and Ma, who are the two and three singles players, you feel like that's such a luxury to have them legitimately at three doubles. They're 16 and 2 as well. But you look for these NC State Wolfpack. Jada Daniel, Adriana Riemi, they're 14 and 4 at two. They've got a plethora of power as well. And again, it's an aggressive game style that these NC State Wolfpack play in doubles. 11 and 1 at three as well is the pair, uh, pairing of Rejecki and Rinchelli. 
I like NC State in the doubles. And again, the reason why Georgia's so good is they are one of the few teams who can find four singles wins against anyone. I think if NC State drops the doubles point, they are not going to win this match. I, You know, as good as uh, Rodgers and Smith and uh, Riemi and Jada Daniel are one through four, I'm, I'm just sorry, but... Um, I don't think uh, I don't think they quite have again. I I, I don't know why I'm dismissing NC State here. I, I guess for me, you know, Renshelly's been pretty good at five, and uh, I, I think it's Lexi Kerbler. Uh, it has been Kerberla. Uh, I'm butchering that pronunciation. I apologize, but you know they're good, not great at five and six singles. And respectfully, Georgia is great, not good at five and six singles. So you probably lean heavily towards the Bulldogs at the bottom of the lineup. And in fact, you look at the UTRs, the single biggest disparity, except at the top, I suppose, between Jokic and Rogers, and you probably do like Jokic in that match, is Gonzalez at five. She's .35 over Ren Shelley, and then Christophe .14 over Kerberla uh, at six. I think that's your recipe for Georgia. You take one, you take five, you take six, and you hope you get doubles. But I will say this, one through four, I mean, I lean Jokic at one. It's not that Rodgers is bad. It's just that Katarina Jokic is freaking the GOAT um, outside of Sarah Davitella. I use that term too frequently. The point is Katarina Jokic is a stud. So is Anna Rodgers. Just something about these Orlando courts, this atmosphere brings out the best in Katarina Jokic to watch her. You know, she was up 6-4-5-4 serving for the match against Navarro before Navarro went on a three-game streak. But then Jokic... Got it right back. Was up 5-3, serving for the match again in that round of 16 battle. It's the biggest disparity in UTR. Yelene Jokic there. Yelene Gonzalez at 5. I think Smith and Ma at 2 is another absolute battle. And we just saw Liam Ma beat Natasha Subash 7-6 in the third. If she can do that, of course she can beat Alana Smith. But Alana Smith is a baller, folks. I mean, I just think... That's a good matchup for her as well because I think she's going to be able to be the aggressor. Leomond does a good job of moving the ball and does do a good job, of, again, of tracking down everything you throw at her. But Alana Smith, I think she's got the power advantage in this match. I don't think she's going to be afraid of these Georgia Bulldogs. And by the way, worth noting, these two teams faced off in 2020 in the National Indoors. Now, it was day three of the National Indoors, and I think I mentioned this in my round of 16 uh, podcast, but... NC State beat these Georgia Bulldogs, and I was on the call for that match. I watched Alana Smith knock off Katarina Jokic. I watched Adriana Riemi knock off Marta Gonzalez, Lexi Kaberla, uh win at four singles, and then, of course, NC State took the doubles as well. That is something that they have going for them. They are not going to be afraid of these Georgia Bulldogs. They've beaten them before. They know what it's going to take to get over the finish line. You cannot overrate that institutional knowledge, that confidence that comes with having pulled off an upset like this before, and as I mentioned, if NC State can get the doubles point, it's really freaking hard to find four singles wins against anyone. Now, middle of the lineup, I think those are toss-ups. Like, if if Kowalski beats Riemi, I think that's the inflection point match. I think that's the one where if they're, if Georgia's getting that one, it's probably over. They're probably winning the match, but I think doubles, Smith, Riemi, Daniel, so two, three, and four, a very, very possible uh, pathway to four, very possible match calculus for these NC State Wolfpack. And again, the Wolfpack have been battle-tested. They went through that ACC schedule, and they're another team. You look across the board, they've won over two-thirds of their matches at every flight, excluding the number six singles position. But we know what Lexi Kaberla is capable of, and to have her down at number six now is absolutely, you feel a little bit more confident 
if you're head coach Simon Earnshaw than you did at that flight earlier in the season. The thing is, these Georgia Bulldogs can play. And again, I'm saying, you know, uh, Adriana Riemi has to beat Meg Kowalski. Kowalski's a .34 UTR favorite. That's significant. And Morgan Kopich, who I'm saying Jada Daniel, who I think the lefty has the power advantage for NC State, she's a .23 UTR deficit to Kopich of Georgia. And just, again, on paper... There's a reason this Georgia team has only lost once. There's a reason they're the number three seeds in this event. I think this match goes 4-3. And I will say, again, if NC State drops the doubles point, they're in some serious trouble because the match calculi for the singles, at least, for uh, for Georgia, it's a little bit broader. They've got to, you know, even if Rodgers knocks off Jokic on this day, Ma can absolutely beat Smith. Kowalski can absolutely beat Riemi. Uh, Georgia can win every flight. With all due respect, while I think NC State's going to compete at every flight, I will be surprised if they win at five, if they win at six, although... Man, Caberla did beat Georgia earlier. I, the more I look at this, the more I can talk myself into an NC State upset. The margins between these two teams are super, super thin. <sighs> Do I want to say the upset? This is why I try to avoid predictions. Now, A, I have to avoid predictions because I'm going to see all of these coaches, all of these players out here uh, at the NCAAs at Orlando on site throughout the day. And when I make a prediction, coaches are now coming up to me and say, hey, I heard you say this. Hey, I heard you say that. I'm not going to say a certain name. We'll call him Stanner Tump. Um, May have called me out for an inaccurate Florida, Illinois prediction, justifiably, by the way. And shout out to Stanner Tump, as we'll call him here. The man himself, such a good guy. It was so great to get to interact with him. Anyways... I'm a little bit gun-shy now in terms of making predictions, but gun shying, being gun-shy is terrible for podcasting. <sighs> you know what? It's time for some gumption. 4-3 NC State. If Georgia wins, it's not going to surprise me at all. Again, they're the favorites, but I think an upset's coming on the day, and I think this is the flight where it happens. I, I just think one of these top four seeds isn't making it to the semifinals. If they do, I will eat my words. And again, UCLA and Pepperdine, I'm not considering either of them the four or the five. That's just the four seed period. There is no upset in that match. But Jokic is a senior. Kowalski, Gonzalez. Ugh. 4-3 Georgia, final answer. I feel bad saying it. I do think this NC State team can win, but 4-3 Georgia, I'm just a little gun shy right now. Uh, give me the Bulldogs to advance, but I know the Wolfpack are going to test them. And of course, that's not the only match where a top seed is going to see a test. Again, we're going to stick chronologically here. I'm not going to take the full 14, 15 minutes to break down all of these because, again, I'm, I'm going to do the big breakdowns are Georgia, NC State, UCLA, Pepperdine, with all due respect to Texas, Florida State, and Duke, UNC. Like the Texas Longhorns, they've lost once all season long. They should have beaten North Carolina. They were 10 good minutes away from winning that match. You look at the power sixes, all of the metrics going into this one. You know, Texas, a 65.49 power six UTR. Florida State, a 62.52. That it's a three-point UTR disparity between six flights. That speaks to the gaps for some of these players. You know, Lulu Sun, a 1.1 UTR favorite over Dini Das, which is freaking crazy at three singles and you know Shavata Pond's a 0.5 UTR favorite Kylie Collins is a 0.48 UTR favorite Anna Tarati a 0.5 favorite as well and even if you like Julia Perone over Peyton Stearns at one even if you like Garcia over Rapalu at six even if you like Florida State to find the doubles point I just look at the two through five singles positions 
as good, you know, depth has been the name of the game for Florida State, right? You look at their statistics throughout the year, they're 20 and 1 at the number five singles position. Victoria Allen is 10 and 0, and, you know, Garcia again, 16 and 2 at the number six singles position. They've been so good down low, and, you know, their second best, or their third best flight is number four singles, where they're 15 and 7. That's where they make their money. Doubles point, you know, you win three doubles, and they're 19 and 2 at three doubles, which is freaking nuts. Um, you win the doubles point, you win four, you win five, you win six. And we saw a team with a very similar recipe, Ohio State, just go up against these Texas Longhorns, and they just didn't have enough, either in doubles or at the top and in the middle of the lineup. And again, what's so good about this Texas team is they take your strength and they flip it on your head. You think you have good matchups? No, 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 no. Texas has good matchups everywhere. And again, the numbers are stupid. Shavathapan's 23-1 and overall, 19-1 and at the four singles position. They're 19-2 and at five singles, 24-2 and at six singles, 22-1 and at three singles. And I think that Lulu Sun match, again, you lock that in for Texas when you're doing the match calculus. And, you know, Tarati 18, uh, is 10-2, and two, but 18-3 and three overall is Texas at the number two singles position. Again, did Peyton Stern struggle in the round of 16? Yes. And is Florida State really, really good at six singles? Yes. But Texas is really, really, really good everywhere. And I just... I know the schedule is a little softer in these Florida State teams. They've seen UNC. They've seen Duke. They've seen NC State. They've seen all of that ACC schedule. They've been battle-tested. They're not going to blink. They're not going to be afraid of this Texas team. They shouldn't be afraid. You're in the NCAA quarterfinals. You're a damn good squad. There's going to be no fear. But, I mean, there's a reason Texas is Texas and just— even if they drop the doubles, like two, three, four, five, as good as Victoria Allen, I think that's the swing match. If Florida State can get a win from Victoria Allen over Kylie Collins, they're going to be sticking around because Perone versus Stearns is a toss-up. Garcia, honestly, is probably the favorite over Rapalu, especially after Rapalu dropped that first set, although she's been damn good at six singles as well, just the experience gap there. But, I mean, doubles, one, five, six, like that's your recipe to beat this Texas team, that's freaking insane. Like, it's such a narrow pathway to pull off because, you know, I love Emmanuel Salas. And again, this this Florida State team scraps. They were in four three-set singles matches, and they won the, uh, the ones they needed to advance over Texas A&M. They took a much-needed doubles point over Texas A&M. But Texas A&M is not Texas. This Texas team... We've talked about it from the start of the season. They are that good. They're the real deal. Again, respectfully, you know, these two teams haven't played this season and no point in looking at last year's results because this Texas team is obviously a completely different monster than they were last season. I mean, yeah, Texas has one loss on the year 4-3. They've dropped a grand total now of seven individual flights since the national indoors. That's freaking insane. Yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven individual points since the national indoors. If that's not a record, it's going to be damn close. It's not a record because the Stanford men never lost ever back in the 90s. But, yeah, I mean, I, I love this Florida State team. I, I cannot emphasize enough. I've I've absolutely drunken all of the Kool-Aid uh, that I have been offered, of course, from uh, Coach Hyde and this these Seminoles. But I just think Texas is a little too good. Florida State's going to scrap. They're going to send some matches to three sets. And, again, I didn't mean to write off, you know, Das or... Hule or Allen or Garcia, but or Salas, honestly, at number two singles. Though, again, they're all scrappers, but just I think for Texas, they take the doubles point, and you're just unless you're UNC or Pepperdine or UCLA, you're just it's really really hard, damn near impossible 
to find four singles wins there. Now, if Florida State can take the doubles point, as with all of these teams, it's a match. And it's worth remembering, round of 16 teams, 15-1 and one when they took the doubles point. The only team that didn't need to do it because they can win no matter what under any circumstances are the Texas men. And, you know, I guess deep in the heart of Texas, hook them horns. Texas, these Texas women can do that as well. But I think they take doubles, and I think it's Tarati at two, Sun at three, Shavatapan at four, delivering the clinch and ultimately sending Texas into the semifinals. But again, that should be a very, very fun match, 2 p.m. start time here, uh, and I believe you can find that, of course, on the Tennis One app. Let's move now to our third and uh, quarterfinal of the day, UCLA taking on Pepperdine. This is the match of all match, folks. This is the match 99% of the time. This is your NCAA championship match. The quality of these two teams, the depth, the talent on the roster, simply stunning. And the fact that we get this match on the quarter uh, as a quarterfinal, I don't know whether to enjoy it as a tennis fan, to be pissed off as a tennis fan that we don't get to see it later in the event, but I'm just promising you, uh, top to bottom, this is going to be a really, really, really good result, and this is going to be a super fun match, and like... It's part four, and, you know, it's Pepperdine, I believe, is 2-1 and one right now in the four matches they've played against UCLA. You look, uh, they played at the National Indoors. It was a 4-2 win for UCLA. Of course, worth noting, there was no Ashley Leahy in the lineup on that occasion. Pepperdine then knocks off UCLA 4-3 at home a few weeks later. They did get Leahy back in the lineup. She lost at one singles. They dropped the doubles point as well, but it was Fela, Fakuda, Pashkaleva, and Czar delivering the four singles wins they needed, and then, oh, I, I, I apologize, it's 2-1 UCLA advantage, UCLA knocked off the Bruins in, uh, or at UCLA, excuse me, and, you know, on this occasion, again, UCLA takes the doubles point, I believe they've taken the doubles point in all three matches they've played against Pepperdine, and in fact, that is exactly the case, but in this occasion, it's Forbes, Hart, Bolton all delivering victories, uh, it was a three-set win for Forbes overlay, he will get back to that matchup in a little bit. I mean, look, throw those results out the window. I mean, except for the doubles. Honestly, even the doubles, because the big development, and Coach Nielsen talked about it in his presser yesterday, uh, Pepperdine has Anastasia Imachkine back in their lineup. She's been so banged up this season, hasn't been able to play pretty much at all. Now it's brand new doubles pairings for these Pepperdine Waves. I believe, as we saw in uh, against Michigan, it was Leahy and Imachkine playing that number one doubles flight. Of course, that's helpful because it moves everyone else down. You now have, oh, excuse me, it was Leahy and Czar at number one doubles. Pachkaleta and Fakuda at number two, and then Fela and Imachkine at that number three spot. Anastasia Imachkine played three singles successfully for Pepperdine last season. She is, again, as talented as you're going to find any player in the middle of a lineup at a number three doubles position, and it's unconventional. Um, It's not pretty doubles, but Pepperdine's doubles point is getting better, and again, talking to Coach Nielsen, talking to Coach Billingham, they're starting to play the best tennis of their season right now, and it's a scary thought if you're the UCLA Bruins because you've already faced Pepperdine three times. You've beaten them twice. It's damn near impossible. We say it all the time. It's really hard to beat a team once, even harder to beat a t- team twice. Damn near impossible to beat a team three times in one season. Uh, go ask the Virginia Cavaliers about their matchups with North Carolina and Wake Forest, how difficult it was to beat them every time. So difficult, in fact, they didn't do it. Um, uh, I mean... 
The thing is, though, you look at this UCLA team, the stats for them in doubles, they're silly, right? I mean, Jada Hart, Abby Forbes, 11-1 and at the number one doubles position. Annette Golick, Vivian Wolf, 18-2 and at the number two doubles position. And then when you can get Alicia Bolton at three doubles, she's as good of a doubles player, as powerful, as aggressive as you're going to find across the country. You feel good if you're UCLA, regardless of who Bolton's paired with, whether it's Altic, whether it's Vanessa Ong, whether it's Taylor Johnson, Sasha Vagramov. It doesn't really matter. You feel really, really good about the doubles point if you're UCLA. And again, you pencil that. You have to pencil that in because it's it's freaking impossible to find four wins in singles against this Pepperdine team. I mean, just look at the numbers. I, and I've said them before, but I'll say them again. You know, Lisa Zar, 20-1. and one. And yes, she was going to lose her match to Olivia Jones. And yes, this is her first NCAA tournament. And it's worth keeping all of those things in mind. But you love her at the number five singles position. Tasha Pachkaleva, 23-1 and one this season. They haven't lost since February, those two. So you feel really good at three and five. Then, of course, you have, again, I said this about Jokic, but someone who's been undisputably one of the 10 best players, maybe even the best. Certainly, she has been the best at various patches. Ashley Leahy at the one position uh, position, finally starting to feel healthy and talking to her in the press yesterday. She said, you know, she didn't play her best match against Michigan, but she's finally starting to feel a little bit loose and playing a little bit more freely out on court. You've got Jess Fela, who's 15-3 and three overall in the year, 8-2 and two at 1, 7-1 and one at 2. She clinched one of the victories for Pepperdine. I should say the one victory for Pepperdine over UCLA. But again, the scariest thing about this Pepperdine team, it just feels like they haven't played their best match yet. They haven't had that match where Leahy, Fela, Fakuda, and, you know, all of them are just clicking at the same time. They've had various matches where, you know, a couple of players are clicking, but they haven't had that match. Even against Michigan, Zar didn't play her best. Leahy didn't play her best. But if they click, they can beat anyone, of course. Again, just a look through the numbers. 16-5 and five at 1, 17-3 at 2, 16-6 at 3, 22-2 at 4. 18 and 4 at 5, 18 and 6 at 6. You compare that with the Pepperdine, uh, with the UCLA numbers. And again, even under the premise that UCLA starts off with a 1 0 lead, we've seen Pepperdine take four singles wins on them. And again, it's damn near impossible to find four against any of these teams remaining, in particular a UCLA quality uh, caliber team. And that's why you probably lean UCLA in this match because they are the stronger doubles team. And then when you can get that 1-0 lead, just again, good luck finding four. But if anyone can find four, it's Pepperdine. But, you know, again, Forbes, Leahy, I think for UCLA, you got to win that match because Forbes 19-2 and this year at number one singles, 20-2 and overall. I mean, the second-year freshman, absolute stud. She's going to be a pro. She's going to be one of the best college tennis players throughout the, for however long she wants to stay at UCLA. She's a stud. Um, yeah, she, you know, again, you probably like that one. Jada Hart and the combination, whoever's played number two singles, Bolton, Hart, Forbes, are 16-1 and one, uh, at that number two spot. And certainly they can match Fela there at two. And then it's funny because they're 11-7 and seven at three, but the fact that they have Alicia Bolton at three singles this year, she's finally healthy. She clinched for them in their previous match. 
uh, it's a freaking scary prospect. Like, and then you know, Viv Wolf at four. She's ten and four overall. There, they're fifteen and six at the flight. They're thirteen and five at the flight at five. Nineteen and four at six for them. It was Annette Golick and uh, Vanessa Ong playing six and five singles respectfully. But we've seen a lot of Abby Altick throughout the year as well. We've seen you know again Sasha Vagramov thrown into the lineup. We've seen a bunch of different players play uh, at those four, five, six singles positions for uh, the Bruins throughout the course of the year, and talking to Coach Sampras-Webster yesterday, she said, I'm going to go with who's ever hot. This is the luxury we have, is we can play the best lineup on any given day that puts us in the best position to succeed. That's a mindset you love to hear. And you look across the board, you know, Jada Hart's won her last seven uh, decisions, and, you know, uh, I believe Abby Forbes has won her last two. Bolton now has some momentum on her side as well. And, you know, to beat this UCLA team, it's just so difficult to do. You almost have to take the doubles point because, again, finding four singles wins against them, good freaking luck. But just, I mean, on paper, this Pepperdine team has it all. And, like, you do like them at the four, five, and six singles positions. You probably lean towards, you know, Shiori Fukuda at four. As much as I love Vivian Wolf, who's a veteran, a staple, a grinder, going to scrap and claw her way in every match. I think Shiori Fukuda is probably the best four singles player in the country, and she's 7-0 and at that flight this season. And, you know, you look for Fukuda so far this year in her matches against Pepperdine. She, uh, let's see, Shiori Fukuda this season against Pepperdine. Has she played in any of them? It, allegedly, I don't see any of the singles results for her against Pepperdine on the board. That's because she plays for Pepperdine. You're an idiot, Alex. Let's look at her results for UCLA. She lost at the National Indoor 7-6 in the third to Alicia Bolton. She beat Sasha Vagramov at three singles, 7-6-6-3, and then in their final matchup, she played Bolton again at three singles. She lost three and three, So, but we already said that. You probably like Bolton at three no matter what, but to have Fakuda at four, I mean, that's where Pepperdine has gotten victories this season uh, when they have matched up against UCLA. They've had a ton of success there. You look for Tasha Pashkaleva. She beat Viv Wolf two and one. She beat Viv Wolf in three sets the other time they played, and then in the third matchup, she beat Abby Altick in three sets. So they're 3-0 at that four singles position. Again, five singles, six singles. You look uh, for these Pepperdine waves. Lee Cesar was unfinished, but up 5-3 in the third against Abby Altick. One of the times, uh, Redelick, I suppose, lost a match at five the second time. But then Lee Cesar beat Vagramov 2-2. Two and two. In their last matchup, you probably like Lee Cesar there at five. And then I think six singles is an absolute toss-up. I think both of those teams, whether it's Golik, whether it's Altic, whomever it is uh, for these uh, for UCLA, you know, them versus Redelic, that's just a battle. That's a toss-up. And I think if Leahy plays her best match, that's a toss-up at one. I think if Fela plays her best match, uh, or I should say Jada Hart plays her best match, because Fela probably enters that as a slight favorite, although you look, Jada Hart beat Fela in their most recent match, Fela beat Hart in their second match, and then in the first match at two singles, it was Bolton versus Fakuda. So you can kind of throw that one uh, out the window. Yeah, one through three are a toss-up. Four and five, you probably lean Pepperdine. Six, toss-up, doubles, UCLA. I'm looking at the match calculus there. That's two for Pepperdine, one for UCLA, and everything else is up on the board. And again, my prediction for this match is that it's 4-3. Like, I know that's a cop-out. And truth be told, I think you can hear it in my voice. I think Pepperdine, if they play their best match, has a higher ceiling than UCLA. And that's crazy to say because when you have Forbes, Bolton, Hart, that sort of wolf, again, the depth they have as well. 
It's crazy. Uh, under 99% of seasons, this UCLA team has all of the ingredients to win a national championship. But this is that 1% year where you need a little bit extra because of the COVID uh uh, offering of an extra year of eligibility in the super teams we have across the nation. We haven't even talked about North Carolina yet, which is crazy to think. Um, but, I mean, again, UCLA has to take doubles. If they drop doubles in this match, you're not finding four singles wins against Pepperdine. I'm sorry, you're just not. And if they do, then maybe we need to start talking about this UCLA team as the favorites against UNC heading into that semifinal. It's a whole nother monster. If you're able to win four singles matches against Pepperdine, you should be the national champion. Um, do I think Pepperdine can find four singles wins against UCLA? Well, they already have once this year. But to do it at an NCAA tournament, you know, this Pepperdine team, you know, at least UCLA, the core of this team, uh, Hart, Forbes, uh, Bolton, Altic, Golik, they played in a national indoor final last year. They understand the pressures that come with this moment. And I'm not saying Pepperdine doesn't, but I've seen UCLA execute with their backs against the wall and make a national final. And, you know, again, the winner of this match plays the winner of UNC Duke, which is a joke. It's an absolute joke until you remember that Texas and Georgia and all these other teams are lingering on the other side of the draw. But <sighs> enough obfuscation. People want to pick Alex. I just, I, love, I mean, both of these teams. So the truth is, you know who's less likely to listen to this podcast is Stella Sampras-Webster. There's 0% chance. I'm just going to throw this out there. And coach, if you do hear this pod, please let me know. I know some of your assistants may listen and perhaps a teammate or two does as well. But I know Pear listens and I'm honestly afraid of him a little bit. More more so Pete than Pear. I'm not afraid of either of them. Let's be honest. They're, they couldn't hurt a fly. They're two of the kindest people I've met. I just, I think I have Chris Halioris in my ear. He's been on this Pepperdine team all season long. But man, I really like the UCLA Bruins. And they're 2-1 against Pepperdine. And again, I'm taking the Bruins because I think they win doubles. And I just think it's impossible to find four singles wins in either of these occasions on this stage. Pepperdine can do it. And again, my prediction more than anything else is 4-3. I'm not sure who's going to win 4-3, that it'll be a 4-3 match. I'm going to pick UCLA simply because I think they take the doubles point. But if Pepperdine takes the doubles point, they're winning this match. And so I think that doubles point is just that much more critical for UCLA. There's a path to Pepperdine for four that doesn't include doubles. I don't know if there is for the Bruins. And so give me UCLA 4-3, but I don't feel confident about that at all. And by the way, I haven't mentioned these yet. The Power 6 UTRs. UCLA a 64.28, Pepperdine a 63.95, Forbes a .4 favorite over Leahy at 1, but we know those numbers are skewed because Leahy hasn't played that much of late. Fela .15 over Hart, Pachkaleva .08 over Bolton, Fakuda .22 over Wolf, Czar .12 over Ong, and then, you know, Golik .51 over Redelik. It's very, very funny that, like, you know, it's two big disparities that give UCLA the lead, but Pepperdine's actually favored by UTR at the two through five singles positions. I think that's indicative of what I just made, the cases I just made for all of you listeners. <sighs> I've talked about this match enough. I'm not, I'm just repeating myself at this point. 4-3, uh, I'm going to take UCLA. I see my inst- inclination there is to just pick Pepperdine anyways, but 4-3, I'm taking UCLA simply because I think they captured the doubles point, but again, that's your match of the day. May even be your match of the tournament, regardless of what happens the rest of the way. Super, super excited for UCLA Pepperdine Part 4. I'm also no... I mean, I know Ben Goldberg might listen to this. My boy, Benny. We call him Shirley Temple. He understands that. I'll explain that story at a different time. Um... (laughs) 
Sorry. Um, he will listen to this, and I just I can't afford to have the Goldberg family angry at me because, A, they're quite simply, and this is not hyperbole, this is not me sucking up, I I love all of you out there. And I should say the Stachowiak parents belong on this list as well, but I, my interaction with Mrs. Goldberg might be, I just, I'm a fan. I love her. She's the nicest lady. I, you get why Ben and, you know, again, obviously uh, Ben's sister, who I, I can't believe I'm blanking on her name right now. I am so sorry uh, to little Goldberg, which is how I think of her in my head. But, you know, again, that family bleeds UCLA Bruins. They've also been very, very kind to me here during my stay. Why am I blanking on the name? It's going to come to me. Caroline. Caroline Goldberg. There it is. It came to my head. Sorry. Just needed. It took a second. There's a lot of names floating in there right now. Love the Goldberg family. I think they will listen to this podcast as well. So we'll go UCLA 4-3. Again, I've said it from the beginning. It's very easy to bribe me into picking your team on this podcast. The Goldbergs have successfully done that. Let's move on to our last match. And again, much like Texas, what is there to say about North Carolina that hasn't already been said? 47 consecutive victories back into an NCAA quarterfinal. Sarah Davitella doesn't lose ever. I mean, she's lost once this season, but other than that, doesn't lose ever. And, you know, you have Alexa Graham at two singles, Mora at three. They, you know, Tran hasn't lost, and she played six singles for them. And Fiona, uh, without McKenna Jones in the lineup, Fiona Crawley hasn't lost. She played five singles, but she's undefeated everywhere she looks. And, yeah, Elizabeth Scotty's getting healthy. Moore and Davitella look really good at one doubles. They're ten and one, and yeah, these these. Te- I think it's uh, who, who's playing two doubles now. I think it's McKenna Jones and Elizabeth Scotty. They're ten and one at two. Stanford and Tran fourteen and three at three, and they've beaten these Duke Blue Devils already this season. It was, I believe, a six-one victory for UNC over Duke. You look at how that match broke down in terms of who won, what happened, how it all you know, uh, unfolded. And first of all, worth noting, there was no uh, Alexa Graham in the lineup. There was no Elizabeth Scotty in the lineup on this occasion, but it was Davitella straight sets over uh, Kelly Chen and then Jones, Crawley, Yarlagata, Tran, all straight set victories for Tran, 0-0 win at six, although they didn't have, uh, I believe, let's see who's absent in this lineup. No Georgia Drummy when they played them the first time. And certainly the insertion of Drummy makes the match much, much more difficult. And look, the one thing Duke certainly has, not the one thing, one of the many things Duke has going for them is that they're not going to fear these North Carolina Tar Heels. They've seen these faces. Kelly Chen knows everything Sarah Davitella is going to throw at her. And, you know, Coach Jamie Ashworth, the Duke coaching staff, they know Graham. They know Jones. They know everything these, you know, they know the strengths and weaknesses of this Carolina lineup. And it's not going to be, you never need an extra dose of motivation, A, when it's an NCAA quarterfinal, B, when it's a rivalry match. And that's what this match is. These matches mean that much more, of course for Duke, the problem is it just feels like they have such a narrow pathway. It feels like doubles, two, three, and four is almost what they have to do to win every match. And we saw them pull that pathway off against a very talented UCF team, and they had their backs against the wall. They dropped four sets, uh, first sets in singles after taking the doubles point, and it did feel like for a hot second uh, that they could get knocked off, that UCF might advance and you know, again, we've yet to see Kelly Chen play her best tennis here in 2021. We know what Chloe Beck can do, and, you know, she probably comes into her match against uh, Cam Mora in better form than the Carolina player, but, you know, even if—and, by the way, you probably do like Mabel Chi over uh, Elizabeth Scotty just because of how well uh, she's been playing of late, but, I mean, again, even if you get back at three, even if you get Chi at four— you got to take doubles. You got to be Graham. You got to be Davitella. You got to be Tran. You got to be Jones. You got to be Crawley or whomever it may be. Um, I just, they're Carolina. Like, they, they're they getting to the NCAA 
semifinal. I again, not to be disrespectful to this Duke team who really, really is good and under normal seasons uh, would very much be in the hunt and again it's a credit to coach Ashworth to this roster that they've been able to scrap and claw the way that they have but if you're 12 and 10 at 1 10 and 10 at 5 and 12 and 11 at 6 you just can't have vulnerabilities in your lineup when you play North Carolina you need if you want to beat them you need to be a Pepperdine a UCLA a Texas that can challenge them at all six spots and double so all seven spots I suppose and you know, I just, I don't know if Duke can do that. I just don't think they have quite enough juice. I think Carolina wins. I think it's a 4-1 affair. It's going to be really fun to watch and under the lights. I think it's going to get funky. Certainly this Duke team, that experience they have uh, from the round of 16 is going to help them here. They're not going to be afraid again. They're not going to be intimidated. They're going to play the match closer than you think, but ultimately give me Carolina to advance. And, you know, again, if it's Carolina, by my predictions, if it's Georgia, Texas, UCLA and Carolina, which by the way, I said there's going to certainly be an upset. I picked the top four seeds. Shout out to me, Matt Stachowiak, clearly having an influence on my podcasting of late. I uh, I, I just think we're, we're set, we're, uh, set for a phenomenal rest of the way here on the women's draw. We have the teams we want. There haven't, you know, again, while upsets are always exciting, as a college tennis fan, you want the best teams to be alive at the end so we can get the extraordinary tennis we deserve. And that's what we're going to have, regardless of the permutations the rest of the way. All of these matches going to be exciting. All of them going to be close. And of course, we here at Crack Crack, so excited to be covering it all on hand in Orlando. I'm about to head over to the site to watch NC State Georgia. Very, very excited for that. Of course, we will be back later in the day to finally recap the men's round of 16 and then preview, of course, those quarterfinal matches as well. That's going to be just one super podcast on the Great Shot podcast. Be on the lookout for that, dropping either later today or early on Thursday before the matches begin. Of course, again... There are some stories brewing, folks. Not ready to give that that Alex Gruskin report yet. Alex Gruskin ready to report X, Y, Z. But there are some thing perc- things percolating. I'm waiting for second sources, third sources, fourth sources, fifth sources in some cases. Um, just because, again, I don't want to run with a storyline until I know it for sure. But it's juicy times here in Orlando. And again, I cannot emphasize enough how grateful I am to Crack Rackets Nation, all of you college tennis fans out there, for your constant support. It's what allows us to be here on site. And it's what made this experience so, so, so exciting. And again, to any of the players, coaches, fans on site who are listening to this podcast, a very, very bribable one beer and I start talking loosely. Uh, So if you want to grab a drink, you guys want to do anything, you know how to find me. I'll have that Cracked Rackets hat on. I will be on site. So please, please, please come say hello and let's enjoy the home stretch of this 2021 college tennis season. Of course, if you have missed any of the action, you can catch up on it all on our website, CrackedRackets.com. You need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I'm at Great Shop Pod. Shout out as always to our super producers, Max Fliegner and Daniel Westoff for the of an any job they do day in, day out. Shout out as well to our friends at Midwest Sports. Go to MidwestSports.com. Use that promo code CR15 to get 15% off your order. But with that in mind, for Super Producers Fligner and Westoff, our friends at Midwest Sports, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Again, we are hoping to get back on schedule. There will be pro content. That is going to be our entire focus next week. But for now, we hope you enjoy the home stretch of this 2021 NCAA Championships. And you know what we say. That's the break. We'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.